This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. My mind is clearer now. At last, all too well, I can see where we all soon will be. If you strip away the myth from the man, you will see where we all soon will be. Started to believe the things they say of you. You really do believe this talk of God is true. And all the good you've done will soon get swept away. You've begun to matter more than the things you say. Listen, Jesus, I don't like what I see. All I ask is that you listen to me. And remember, I've been your right-hand man all along. You have set them all on fire. They think they found the new Messiah. And they'll hurt you when they find they're wrong. I remember when this whole thing began No talk of God, then we called you a man And believe me, my admiration for you hasn't died But every word you say today Gets twisted round some other way And they'll hurt you if they think you've lied Nazareth, your famous son, should have stayed the great unknown Like his father carving wood, it have made a good Table, chair, and broken chest would have suited Jesus best He'd have caused nobody harm, no one alarm Listen, Jesus, do you care for your race? Don't you see we must keep in our place? We are occupied, have you forgotten how but down we are? Object to another noisy set, and they'll crush us if we go too far. If we go too Jesus, to the warning I give Please remember that I want us to live But it's sad to see our chances weakening with every hour All your followers are blind Too much heaven on their minds It was beautiful but now it's sour Yes, it's all gone
Backstage with Mel and Mike. It's nearly New Year's Eve. And we started off with one of my favorite versions of Heaven on Their Minds from Jesus Christ Superstar. Jerome Pradon played Jesus, or Judas actually, he played, uh, in the 2000 stage recording, which was my first exposure to the show. And what a powerful rendition that one was, man. What a oh. classy ending. Oh. Mm. Isn't it just fabulous? Oh. Oh. I'm totally with you on A good choice to start the show with because um, for me... Uh, Superstar really sort of um, galvanised a lot of things in my mind as a young man. Mm. Um, When I was first exposed to the original movie and heard Carl Anderson singing that song, coming on screen, you know, long shot from the desert with the the hills. I thought, wow, this is not musicals as I know it, baby. Let's let's take it from here. Let's see what happens. And And it was was wonderful. It's funny you say that because I feel the same way about my first exposure to Jesus Christ Superstar, which was that production um, that was filmed in 2000 and maybe, I don't know, 2004 or 5. And I thought, wow, this is not usual musical theatre. I was only three decades ahead of you. Yeah, you're, you're, you're ahead of my time. You are above the board. <laughs> I'd like to talk a bit more about um, that song and other versions of it. Not that we're going to play them, but I'd like to talk more about that in a moment. Mm. Uh, you have all of January, dear listener, now to catch up on any and all of the backstage episodes that you may have missed over uh, this last 12 months. We're camping out uh, on most, if not all, of your favourite podcast streaming apps. I can't think of one that we're not on, actually, at the moment. So we're doing things differently today, like usually, like most podcasters, we actually are in the studio recording a couple of days ahead of time, sometimes only a matter of hours ahead of time, and painstakingly edited to bring you a superbly crafted and uh, (laughs) hopefully easy on the air, somewhat polished episode each and every week, but we're not today. No, this week I am completely out of my comfort zone. So Mike here is a radio expert, you know, he's been doing this for a long time. Uh, Me, however... Brand new, live on the airwaves, coming to you right now, uh, unless you're podcasting later on, in which case not. Uh, so <laughs> apologising for accidental swears. I will absolutely do my best uh, for the sake of broadcasting standards, Mike, to not swear. No, Apologies um, in advance. Faith. I am, I'll try really hard. I'll try really. <laughs> so anywho, we'll be yarning our way today through some of the highlights from the year that's just been. And we've uh, added in some highlights of the year, or with some added highlights of the year coming up a bit later on. We don't have an actual musical of the week this week because we thought, well, we'd just run out of breath actually. We couldn't actually, <laughs> couldn't actually think of one that would be a good finish to the year. And then we both kind of hit on the idea, well, why don't we just... You have a bit of a yarn about our favourite songs anyway. Yeah, and they've all been musical of the week, So we've both submitted a list, and uh, surprisingly, actually, there were several on there in common, which was rather nice. Yeah, that was charming. Heaven on Their Minds is one that, um, like I said from the outset, for me, it kind of galvanised a new view of what musicals could be for me Mm -hmm. when I was just starting off my performing career. And it was a show that also I, I hadn't seen anything quite like Jesus Christ Superstar before that happened. Yeah. And every so, every so often, every few decades, you'll get a show like that which suddenly breaks the rules and says, well, why can't it be like this? Why can't you have music about this and tell a story this way? And it was totally operatic in its style too, no dialogue. Hadn't seen that before in anything contemporary myself, so it was, it was a real groundbreaker. It was, it's a real mix for me between contemporary and and classic musical theatre and contemporary musical theatre so much so that I it is also one of my favourites and I was discovering it around the same time as I was discovering Rent which is also a rock opera yeah. um, so I if you don't know JCS check it out because you need to know it <laughs> yeah it, it is a show that keeps going too it will always be on stage somewhere it keeps coming and around eh? keeps coming around keeps being reinvented I remember there was uh, 19 uh, well actually I saw John English tour New Zealand in the stage production way way back not long after the movie came out then John Stevens New Zealand performer was Judas in the 1992 stage version that also toured the big Australian production he does a banger version of that song as well yep uh, as well as all the other Judas songs. And the other one I would also uh, highlight would be uh, Tim Minchin doing mm. the uh, TV version, 
that was screened, what, last year? Yeah, it was that original arena tour that they filmed. Yeah. Um, so that toured, I think, all of the UK and it might have been 2018, 2019, actually. Yeah, Mel C like played uh, Mary Magdalene, and they, they did that. You know how we talked about um, Legally Blonde finding the next Al Woods? Yeah. They did that for Jesus yeah. um, in that tour. So that that Jesus came from that that competition. But talk about shows that actually inspire people and define them. Mm-hmm. I remember Tim Minchin saying that the role of Judas was something he dreamed of as a small boy that he would love to do one day. I know that this is an unpopular opinion, but I thought he was fabulous. I and, did too. And and he he brought Tim Minchin to the role. Yeah. But he there was no doubting his passion and his uh, understanding of what the role was about. Yeah. I thought he did a, a terrific job on it. Yeah, me too. So, now, that, uh, now that's all been hashed out and we've got the first one out of the way. Anyway, <laughs> um, one thing we want you to do, first of all, is get your calendars out for a brief overview of what's coming up around the place in 2022 because, let me tell you, it is full, the it calendar full. for next year. This wow. isn't even a complete list of everything that w- will happen. This is just what we know of right now. Uh, so what have we got? At the Meteor, uh, That Bloody Woman is coming up, directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chewin for Bold Theatre. That's sort of mid-year-ish. Yep, they've already changed the uh, banner picture for the Bold Theatre Facebook page. I saw that, that today. <laughs> the Pillow Man, directed by Jason Wing for Wing Valley Productions, is taking place on the second half of the year next year from the, at the Meteor. Also at the Meteor, The Magic Power Shell, that's directed and written, I believe, by Cecilia Mooney for Stories and More. That's in the October school holidays. So we're talking about October already. Mm-hmm. Riverly Theatre has Beauty and the Beast Junior, directed by Tony Garçon, hitting the stage January 18th. HMT are also in rehearsal for Mamma Mia. That hits the stage on February the 4th. Playbox, uh, we're getting underway with rehearsals for Geezers by Tommy Lee Johnston. I'm directing that. That's uh, due to hit the stage on 26th of March. On 26th of March, even. Mm. Blood Brothers, directed by Angela Walker, is hot on the heels of that for HMT. That's on stage in May. Also, across the... Well, not quite across the road, but around the corner a bit, at the Clarence Street Theatre, comedian Ursula Carlson with her show It's Personal that hits the stage on 11th and the 12th of February. Friends, the musical, you might have heard us mention that about six or eight times last year because yeah. I tried several times to get it on stage. Finally, fingers crossed, hopefully it's going to make its way to uh, Clarence Street in April. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is coming to stage. That's directed by David Sidwell for Hamilton Operatic Society. That's going to be popular too. Mm-hmm. Tom Sainsbury, Snapchat Dude, is appearing at the current street in June. I know a lot of people will be very keen to see him on stage. Yeah, he's a good one. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to chuck in a little break right here because this list, we're not kidding, is actually super long and exciting. So don't go anywhere. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Ladies and gentlemen, and now, once again, Fräulein Sally Boyce! What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Come to the cabaret. Put down the knitting, the book and the broom. Time for a holiday. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Come to the cabaret. Come taste the wine, come hear the band, come blow your horn, start celebrating, right this way your table's waiting. No use committing some prophet of doom to wipe every smile off. Girlfriend known as Elsie With whom I shared four sordid rooms in Chelsea She wasn't what you'd call a blushing flower 
As a matter of fact, she rented by the hour. On the day she died, the neighbors came to snicker. Well, that's what comes of too much pills and liquor. But when I saw her laid out like a queen, she was the happiest corpse I'd ever I think of Elsie to this very day I remember how she turned to me And say What good is sitting alone in your room The music play Life is a cabaret, old chum Come to the cabaret Put down the knitting, the book and the broom For me, as for me, I made my mind up back in Chelsea. When I go, I'm going like Elsie. Start by admitting from cradle to It's exhausting, isn't it? Oh, life is a cabaret. That is exactly why this song made it into our final episode for the year. And the dulcet tones you heard there were from Jill Howarth playing um, Sally Bowles. And the original, in the original, original cast of uh, Cabaret for Broadway. 60 which is 60 something. Something. <laughs> we couldn't agree or decide yeah, on. Very early 60s. <laughs> I think she's got amazing. I enjoyed uh, that. Amazing talent, you know. Nice uh, full voice. Yep. Really she, enjoyed that. She really got into that. Good song. Um, I think that was on both of our lists, wasn't it? I would think it was on your list more than mine. More than yours. But I, I like Cabaret. Why, did it, why was it on your list? Again, um, I think I was at drama school at the time when I saw the um, the movie mm-hmm. and With, um, what's saw her name? I was totally uh, blown away by uh, Joel Grey. Yep. More so than Liza Minnelli, although I thought she was great. But uh, Joel Grey just, for me, was, wow. You know, he, he just took my breath away that when I saw him performing in the movie. Something else And he had such time. a history with the show because he'd, you know, he'd started on Broadway for many years with it. Mm. And Bob Fosse's involvement as choreographer and everything, it's just such a, um, an in-your-face story. Yeah. And told in such a, a just a really gripping, um, no-holds-barred kind of way. Yeah. For its time, it was, it was groundbreaking. And uh, like Superstar at about the same time for me, mm. was one of those things that made me think that, um, you know, I was really hung up on doing plays at the time and I thought I didn't really have much of a sense that musical theatre would be my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this kind of turned that for me. Excuse me. Turned it for me. And I learned how to sing some of the songs from the show just yeah. for my own enjoyment. Yeah, because that's what we do. In the shower, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, Cabaret has always been one of those also, the song Cabaret has always been one of those songs that really sort of talks about that transition from, um, you know, not feeling like you've got anywhere to go in life to suddenly embracing, you know, what's out there and making the most of it because you're not here for long. So 
Life is a cabaret, old friend. Shall we carry on? Yeah, let's carry on uh, with our very extensive list of some of what's coming up in 2022. Navarra Lounge promises an exciting 22 schedule. More open mic nights, more sip and paint evenings, more gigs, more poetry readings, album releases, all of the things that Ivan does best. (laughs) Te Aroha, Little Theatre, still uh, in... uh Rehearsals for the Vicar of Dibley, that's going to stage in March. They're also sort of in rehearsal for Death and Taxes by April Phillips. They're planning a reschedule for next year as well. I also understand that they haven't totally hung up the the boots for Waiting for Godot. I think that possibly may resurface next year as well. Oh, good. Which is good to see. Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge. Conjugal Rights by Roger Hall has been rescheduled to April. And Things I Know to Be True by Andrew Bovell. Auditioning for that happens early in 2022. Was that one that you were interested in? I, it is one of the ones I am. There's a couple mm. on here on the list that I'm interested in, but that is one of the mm. ones. You go, girl. Yeah. Mata Mata Dramatic Society have at the sign of the crippled Harlequin that will be hitting the stage next year by Norman Robbins. Over in Pitaruru, the theatre players there have Moonshine the Musical in April. I know that's been rescheduled from earlier this year as well. Thames Music and Drama are staging Mamma Mia, directed by Diane Connors. That's scheduled for May. Rotorua Musical Theatre have Song Contest, the almost Eurovision experience that's directed by John Drummond. That goes to stage in March. To Tauranga and 16th Avenue Theatre. 12 Angry Men by Reginald Rose, directed by Liam Hagen. And we opened that on the 21st of January. Again, in Tauranga, the musical theatre, Peter Pan Jr. is coming up. That's directed by Keegan White and opens on January the 14th. And Les Mis is finally going to hit the stage, hopefully. That's directed by Tony Henderson from February the 14th to the 19th. And uh, Theatre Whakatane have School of Rock, the musical, directed by Sue Harris. Haven't got a date for that quite yet, but we will firm that up. Auckland Theatre Company have quite an exciting schedule, but I've only got a couple of them, a couple of their upcoming shows here. You've got Grand Horizons by Bess Wall, that's directed by Jennifer Ward-Leland, and opening on the February the 8th. And Lysander's Auntie by Trick of the Light duo Hannah Smith and Ralph McCubbin Howell, also on their schedule for next year. There's lots of exciting stuff yeah, on their uh, schedule. Like those year. are two standouts for me. Um, we haven't got all the dates for all of the Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival stuff, but you can go and check out their schedule. Uh, it's hgaf.co.nz. Uh, first up, we've got My Life in Jandals by Dane Moiki and Yvonne Milroy. Tetupuna, uh, sorry, Tetupua, The Goblin, uh, presented by John G. Davies. The Fairy's Gift is presented by the Sixpence Players. Julius Caesar, directed by James Smith. I Didn't Bring You Here to Lecture Me is presented by ArtSense Productions. Tom Payne by Will Eno featuring Nick Wilkinson. The Quest, directed by Nick Wilkinson for opening night productions. Cut, presented by Hamilton Operatic Society. Where Our Shadows Meet, directed by Laura Hohe for Equal Voices Arts. Jekyll and Hyde, presented by Slightly Isolated Dog. Elsie, which is one of the Boil Up projects that's choreographed and directed by Lily Empson. And uh, The Grigol. By Trick of the Light. There is a whole lot. There's a whole bunch more. There's a whole lot. There's, There's a whole lot happening. Uh, printed copies of the of the program are out there at various places, but as Mel said from the start, go to the HKF website, website and you can confirm dates and times for all of those. There's a whole lot to look forward to in 2022 in general around the place. Uh, so as always, if there is a show or audition opportunity that you want us to spread the word about, please email us on backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com or just let us know when you see us at the theatre next. Sing along and 
They're gonna bend their branches down So lay their fruit upon the ground The almond and the apple And the sugar from the maple The tree's gonna lay the wedding table you're working on spring will come again yes why don't you sing it then it isn't finished sing it you want to take me home yes sing the song And that's another big favourite of mine, wedding song from the uh, one of our past musicals of the week, actually, Hades Town, uh, featuring Reeve Carney as um, Orpheus and Eva Noblezada as um, Eurydice. Love that, love yeah. that. I know I chose it because, well, you know, I've always said for the last couple of years that Hades Town is uh, one of those definitive shows on my bucket list. If I ever get the chance to do it before I die, I will die happy. Must do. Uh, but yeah, um, if I never get the chance to be in it, I'm still very pleased I discovered it because it's it's one of those soundtracks I put on every now and again and listen to the whole thing all the way through. Still decent, eh? Yeah. For those of you who might have missed it being Musical of the Week, I don't know, 90 or so episodes ago, uh, <laughs> give us a couple of sentence rundown of what Hades Town is about. Right, I'll give you more than a couple of sentences, I think. Um, yeah, Hades Town actually, I think, was, I think, about our third musical of the week, and one I just really couldn't wait to tell people about because <laughs> yeah. a lot of people didn't know much about it. But in a nutshell, Hades Town is a musical written entirely by a woman by the name of Anais Mitchell, and it tells the version of, or a version, of the ancient Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, uh, where Orpheus goes to the underworld to rescue his lover, Eurydice, who's, who's been lured there to be a concubine by Hades, who is, of course, king of the underworld. Another key player in the story is Hades' wife, Persephone, who spends half the year above ground, and actually um, their fiery relationship is a very excellent um, sort of secondary plot line through the show. Sure. And provides a marvellous... Um, sort of um, range of conflicts and emotions between the two of them with Eurydice and, and Orpheus doing their thing as well. It's, um, it's what makes the whole thing tick along. The narrator of the whole show is um, Hermes, who is um, a delightful character, and the Greek chorus is provided by three sisters known as the Fates. Mm-hmm. And really, they're the core cast, but there are other players that are part of it as well. The whole thing started as a concept album back in 2010, and it's been worked up into what is now a major Broadway show, but it actually only opened in, uh, on Broadway in March of 2019. Yeah. But won eight Tonys. Yeah, a bunch of other awards from different uh, different types as well. That's uh, Drama Critics Award and all that. 
Yeah, I, I discovered uh, Hades Town via that first album, uh, Anais Mitchell's first uh, album. The one that we just played from then? Yeah, oh, that when song. Well, Mitchell, that song uh, sang a lot of the songs herself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the concept album is just, it, it's a bit folkier and it's much, I guess, more stripped back. Yeah, because she uh, recorded that pretty much on a shoestring, really with just her and her guitar most of the time. Yeah. And she's an amazing performer, got an amazing range. Uh, and the range of songs that she came up with for the show really just sort of carry it along to a lot of workshop time has gone into it. Yeah. Uh, it follows the myth really closely and features, as we say, excellent music right throughout. The style that they really established now for it is kind of retro grunge. Yeah. I guess there's no better way to describe it. Very much sort of 1930s, 1940s um, kind of vibe. Uh, very sort of brown and greys kind of palette. Yeah. And the set design and costuming is a kind of gritty, earthy kind of feel to it. Yeah. Quite intimate and uh, very, very likable all the way through. Um, so it seems like a, a bit of a natural segue, I think, Mel, to go from Wedding Song from a show that's one of our favourites <laughs> to the fact that you are facing your own Wedding Song in a matter oh, of only a good, I, couple, couple of months or so. I am actually. And I so that's pretty big. I have not chosen, you know, the song that you go, that you walk towards your love to, with. I haven't chosen that song yet. Um, it's... All just going along really well. Yeah, what's it been like to try and plan something like that? Because I, I haven't had to do it for such a long time. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Because I, I think that's the thing I get, or Kate gets asked the most, how's Mel doing? Uh, has she turned into a bridezilla? And Kate's <laughs> answer said, is usually, you know, Mel plans productions and manages events as a hobby. Right. So, you know, it's all just sort of second nature it's all where it's all just ticking along as per the schedule uh, as per the gantt chart and um (laughs) maybe not that extreme but you know it's all just ticking along yeah and i don't feel particularly stressed about it i feel more impatient that it hasn't arrived yet have you had moments when like when you're directing a show Mm. you know that you've got those moments when you've got to make huge compromises Oh. Or, you know, if you're lucky, you don't. But normally you've got somewhere along the line, you've got to think, oh, you mean we can't fly this boat <laughs> into the centre of the stage or whatever? Are there things that you thought you might want to do that you just can't? That's a great question, actually. I mean, I'm not one of these girls who's been planning a wedding since she was five years old. So I, I have always sort of thought I would know what I wanted when I met the person I'm going to marry. And... I, I really feel like we've we, we've got everything we wanted. You know, the thing about knowing how to do a good production, well, subjectively a good production um, on a budget means I can put on a pretty good show for very little money. <laughs> so, And is that, that kind of the feel that you want it to have, that um, those who are lucky enough to attend are going to feel like they've seen a damn good show? Oh, well, I don't know about a damn good show, but they will definitely enjoy seeing Kate and I dress up fancy, fancier than we ever dress up uh, and profess our love, I guess. Uh, I just want everyone, I keep saying to Kate, I want everyone to feel really beautiful and I want everyone to be hot. And I mean, I'm sure it'll be March. I'm sure they will be hot. But um, I just want everyone to feel beautiful and have a beautiful feeling day. That's that's what I want. That's a lovely sentiment. And you really are (laughs) probably saying exactly what should be said about something like that. You've got to share your joy. Well, for the day. that's the point, isn't it? Otherwise, yeah. what's the point of having all the people there? I absolutely cannot wait for it. Yeah. And I know I mentioned the date before, March 26th, is when, <laughs> when the play I'm directing, Geezers, is due to open at uh, Riverley. Uh, but I will be there for your ceremony. Yes. And to toast a, a um, you know, toast. Charge a toast. Toast to both of you before I have to slip away and be with my cast for opening night of the He's show. He's a busy man, but is our Mike. I would not miss your wedding for anything, my friend. No, I'm looking forward That's to having so, you there. So looking forward to um, seeing you and Kate sort of matching, meeting up at the, uh, you know, the what do you wouldn't call it the altar end, but the know, aisle, at, down at the, the sharp aisle. end of the dial. Yeah, yeah, aisle. yeah. Um, so that's. Apart from that, what what else have we? Got? We will call it a production. What other productions have we got? 
sort of slated for next year? Are you yeah. going to keep yourself busy? Um, I mean, I think I've probably mentioned before that I'm stage managing one of the Boil Up projects that's coming up in May. It's called The Sherpa and the Beekeeper. That's written by and directed, actually, by my friend Matt Cambick. Uh, that tells the story of the first summiting of Everest. Uh, but it also observes a lot of uh, what's happened culturally in Nepal and New Zealand since then in relation to that mountaineering experience. Yeah, it's a good story. It's a great story. So I'm pretty excited about that project for Matt. Uh, I'm excited for that project for New Zealand, actually. I think it could has the has potential to do quite well. Mm, I think it will, too. Do and you like the idea of... What do you reckon? Will you go see a play about Everest? The yeah, summiting would, of Everest? I, I was lucky enough to see um, the boil-up process. Mm, and that's right. And talked to Matt very briefly about the play. Yeah. And I think the story came from a good place with him, that there was the, that very special relationship that, that evolved over that time and the long-term impact it's had for Nepal yeah, and as well as New Zealand's relationship with Nepal, I think is... Uh, as well uh, as the mountain, you know. And the mountain's always there, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's changed a lot since uh, Tenzing and Hillary went up. You know, it was... You know, not or they were the first. There was nothing up there, but now you go up there and it's rubbish galore and empty gas canisters and, and just the line of people waiting to get to the summit. Every time I've seen photos from it, that's yeah, right. It's really hard, I think, for anyone who wasn't around at the time. And I was only born a year after that happened. Yeah. Um, and if you weren't alive at that time, it's very hard nowadays for anyone to imagine. What an absolutely outstanding achievement that was. Up to that point, nobody had got to the point where they could stand on top of the world and look out over everything, which is really what what it amounted to. And I know that um, everybody worldwide was gobsmacked when, they, when they'd actually done it. Yeah, and I think that's a part of why I think um, this play, The Shepherd and the Beekeeper, is going to do quite well. It's a story that all New Zealanders uh, have a connection to, I guess. It speaks to um, also the adventurer. I think yeah. in all of us in New Zealand, we, we tend to be, we, we like to think of ourselves anyway as being a little bit, oh, you know, we'll go bush or we'll go hike up that mountain and see what's up there. And yeah. it was that sort of get in and have a go and do it yourself kind of approach to life that I think um, probably Hillary in particular typified for us all came, he came to sort of be the kind of bloke that we all wanted to be. Yeah. That he and Tenzing Norgay tackled this thing without the advantage of 21st century equipment that people have now yeah, and with no real knowledge of what they were going to face when they got right up to the top. How was it going to be for them? Yeah, that's Would they exactly even right. make it back down? And it's set on the summit of Everest, so what's yeah. not to love? Go see what's it. What's not to love about that, man? <laughs> the summit of Everest will be at the Meteor. It will. Yeah. It will be at the Meteor. Uh, so then after that, I don't actually have a whole lot else planned. Uh, Kate and I will obviously be newlyweds. Uh, Are you going to take a honeymoon period? Uh, we're going to take a month off work. We're not 100% sure what that looks like at the moment, but we're going to be off. We want to go and hire a camper van and just go up north. Oh. Uh, so that's the that's the general plan. That sounds good. Uh, yeah, so we'll be newlyweds. Uh, I've got Hamilton Musical Theatre keeping me very, very busy uh, and obviously ongoing ramifications of vaccinations and COVID mm. and um, alert levels and traffic lights and all of that keeping me very busy. Because that's going to keep changing as well. That's right. Uh, so I'm going to work on Sherpa and we'll just see what happens after that. But enough about me. I want to talk about you and all of the fun you're having. There's a lot of it. <laughs> Um, we talked about 12 Angry Men coming up in January in yep. which you appear as Juro One, a.k.a. The Foreman. Tell us what's after that. Uh, that finishes uh, on the 29th of January. So the very next day, on the 30th, I'm scheduling, well, I'm working through the rehearsal schedule now for um, directing Geezers. Geezers is a, um, a play about people in a retirement home and their history and their purpose in life and things like that and it's um it's been really exciting getting as far as we have so far we've had one read through with the cast and and from that i've just got such a great buzz to see my cast working together and hearing the the words that tommy lee johnston has written coming to life and this is a play room. you've wanted to do for a while eh? i've had it on my radar for a while i, I suggested it probably 14 15 months ago yeah and you know, got kicked around with a couple of others for Playbox, but eventually they, they liked the look of it, and I was really delighted that they did. Yeah, nice. I, I like to do plays that aren't bog standard, and um, and this this one for me offers me as a director 
some new things, some new challenges and stuff that I really want to do. So I've got that. That's on stage, as we said, opening on your wedding day. Yep. And runs through till I think it's the 9th of April. And there will be a crossover period over the last couple of weeks of getting geezers ready to go on stage when I will start rehearsals for... Um, Blood Brothers. I've been lucky enough to be cast as narrator for that. Exciting. And, and I'm really, really thrilled about that because I, I did that role in 2010 in Nelson and absolutely fell in love with the show way back then. Wonderful and show, yeah. It's always been one of those ones that I've really pleased I did, really proud of what we did in Nelson back in 2010. Yeah. The chance to get to do something like that again, of course I jumped at the opportunity, went on long to do it differently maybe. Yeah, I went on to auditions thinking, what could I bring to it now, yeah. 12 years later? Mm. Um, I hope I had what the director wanted. Uh, turned it turns out that Angela uh, decided that I did, so I'm going to give it my all for that. That's on stage in May. Can't wait for that. And um, yeah, really thrilled about that. And at the end of the year, I'll be directing um, Saturday Night Fever as the Christmas production for Riverly Theatre, Whee! which is another milestone for me because it'll be the first time I've actually directed a full musical. You are going to have such a good time. I hope so. You're going to be great. Really good uh, musical director in the form of Jonathan Hawthorne, a young guy that I've respected for years just watching him grow as as an MD, as as an actor, um, as a singer. He's got so much talent, so much skill and really hard-working guy and um, along with that, our choreographer is um, Emilia Jennings. You beat me to it, who is a partner with Jonathan. Yes. Um, and I think the two of them make a, a great combination um, to bring the music and the dance to life. Um, the script scares me a bit because there's an awful lot happening and it's very, very similar to the movie in terms of the um, the narrative. Yeah. Uh, some things are going to be quite challenging to put on the stage at Reveille, but that's what you do it for, the opportunity to do that. So I've got nearly 12 months to get that ready. Or 10 months. <laughs> I am so excited for you to take the helm of a musical. You know, it's uh, it's different. It will stretch you in a way that directing a play doesn't. I may be tapping you on the shoulder and saying, Mel, when you first did your music, first musical, <laughs> what was it? Did you do this? Yeah. Uh, and I will be there for you, my friend. Thank you. Um, and I know that there are some things about directing a musical very similar to directing a play, but I think uh, an advantage with a musical is that you do have people who are specialists in their field, like Jono and Amelia, yeah. who um, are going to take the, that off your shoulders. So That's you right. You let them do all the hard work, and yeah. then you just come along and put all the puzzle pieces together. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that um, I hope it goes well. And if it does, then you know maybe I'll put my hand up to do some more in the future. Ooh, I'm but so it's a, excited it's a big undertaking to do a musical as well. It takes a, a lot longer than a play does. It does. Lots of, yeah, and just more rehearsal, more planning, more prep, mm. all of the above. And uh, apart from that, there are a couple of other potential gaps in the year next year, but. Where? A couple, couple of things I'm looking at. Um, Where are you going to find in. more time to do anything else? Well, I don't, I don't want to. Um, yeah, don't, I don't, don't, don't want to say too much, but there are a couple of things happening next year which I'm, I'm also really interested in um, seeing if I can become involved in in some way. Yeah. And you know, I've got to spend a bit of time also with my, my lovely fiance Linda. Yes, well, that's right. I was, that's why I asked how are you going to find all this time? She's very supportive, though. She loves what I do. Oh, and she's a wonderful woman. Um, so that's checking out next year for both of us. It's going to be a fairly full one, I think. And uh, also, of course, I'm... Um, Vice President of uh, Hamilton Musical Theatre. Yes, you alongside are. Alongside you, so there will be duties involved in that as well. Yeah, exciting. Yeah. Uh, I, like you, will be checking out the list of what to audition for next year. But, I mean, I've got a bit of time. You don't have as much time as I've got. Uh, I, I'm a bit picky about what I audition for, just because I perform with a disability, obviously. Uh, so I can be a bit precious about, you know, who I trust to support me um, and, and working with that. But next year's offerings look pretty juicy, and I, like you, will almost definitely be auditioning for something. I think you something. should. You de- absolutely should. And, yeah. you know, um, one thing you have taught me since I've known you is that there are lots of other ways of looking at roles. And 100%. It, and it's because of that. I see you do stuff that I've thought, well, you know... It, a handful of years ago, people wouldn't have probably given you the opportunity to do some things that you've done. I've seen you in 12 Angry Men, loved it. Yep. Um, I wish I'd seen more of the stuff that you can do, and I'm looking forward to seeing you do something 
next year maybe we'll see uh, we'll see for. and outside of getting on stage or behind it or and behind it 2022 looks uh, to also be a whole lot of fun for audiences as well we know that hamilton's love musical theater so there's going to be a whole lot of that but the gardens festival lineup is absolutely stunning in all its different categories the boil up projects will finally hit the stage at the media because it just building and building it's going to be a great year knocking on wood without jinxing anything <laughs> it looks like it could be a cracker of a year for the arts in hamilton finally out of the darkness my bus arrives at the salvation army camp we pass to a large gate in a bus pulls to a stop and through the windows out there in the darkness we see all these people coming out of the buildings but everyone's dusted off their Salvation Army uniforms to welcome these people. There are soldiers everywhere. The man at the front opens the door. I say, here you are, out you go. But he doesn't understand. And he's not getting off. None of them are. He's on But then I notice his wife where she's clutching a Bible. Now, obviously, I can't read it, but their Bible, it'll have the same number system ours does, so I ask to see it, and I'm searching for something, and then, in Philippians 4, 6, I give them their Bible, and I'm pointing, saying, look, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, be anxious for nothing. And that's how we started speaking the same language. You're backstage with Mel and Mike, either live on Free FM or from your favourite podcast streaming app. And we're a couple of nights away from New Year's Eve, so we are in reflection mode at the moment. Darkness and Trees, the reprise from Come From Away. Uh, I chose that one because, I, you know, I really like the feeling of the song. That's how we started speaking the same language. It just feels like a good way to start a new year and end an old one. Couldn't agree more. Plus, we have learned that the international touring company of Come From Away is landing on our shores uh, to play Auckland and Wellington through April and May of next year, which is really cool. Give us the rundown, Mel. Uh, okay, so I think, to put it simply, the Come From Away tagline really says it best. On September 11th, the world stopped. On September 12th, the, their stories moved us all. So it's uh, really, it's about the, so 38 planes across, that were travelling across the US airspace on September 11th were grounded. Uh, and they were grounded in this massive, big, unused airport in Gander, which is uh, on an island off the coast of Canada. Uh, and they're stuck there. The US airspace is closed for five days. So there are 7,000 or close to it, 7,000 passengers stuck in this town. Uh, on this island, uh, unable to leave, unable to get anywhere, and about the residents that homed them and housed them and uh, and the relationships that were formed. Because the, the passengers couldn't get access to their luggage or anything at all. They were just offloaded from planes and told... People will take care of you. When they were on... They no was, one knew what was going to happen. They were they? stuck on their planes. You know, there's a song in Come From Away. They talk about being stuck on the plane for 28 hours. Uh, yeah, so but if you include, they were finally let off, they were just told, no, you can't go back. Take your blanket yeah. and your pillow and your water bottle and that's, that's it. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what Come From Away is about. And it has a universality to it uh, as a story, I think, that will appeal in New Zealand. I think we'll find a good audience here. Oh, well, and it opens, you know, pretty much with the characters saying, I was in the staff room, I was in the classroom, I was in the wherever I was. And, you know, even we as New Zealanders across the world still... I still remember where I was. I'm sure you remember where you were when mm. you heard about it. Mm. You know, we we have those stories as well of feeling yep. betrayed as a human being. Yeah. I will, if I can find some time, I'll certainly be checking it out for sure. I w would like to think I'm going to be able to go and see it maybe in April and May if I've got to spare weekend mm. um, either Auckland or Wellington, but certainly I'd, I'd listen to the soundtrack when we had it as a um, mu um, musical of the week last year. I think it was. At some point. <laughs> one of those 
past weeks. Yeah. Um, and uh, I really liked what I heard. Yeah. And I'd like to hear more and maybe search out some scenes maybe on YouTube so I can get a better sense of context. Well, you probably can now. Uh, there is an Apple TV staged recording that I got to watch oh, I don't know, a few months ago, but it's, you can probably find it on YouTube now. Um, check it out, Mike. You'll yeah. like it. I know you will. I wonder if that means that we can cross our fingers for the touring company of Hamilton to come here. Do you think? You know, by my skills of deduction, <laughs> I feel like we might, that may not be too far off the cards. Really? Well, you know, if. Uh, You're good at reading these things, and uh, you know more about the machinations of, um, you know, shows coming off, holo- <sighs> off Broadway for touring. Maybe that's exposing my theatre nerdiness a little bit. Some people watch planes, other people watch Broadway productions. <laughs> um, I, well, you know, Matilda was here a couple of years ago. That had just finished an Australian production. Wicked was here a few years ago. That had just finished an Australian production. I think we've probably got about 12 months of, the, you know, getting back to, to things uh, after the lockdowns on Broadway. That's They're right. going to have a year of celebration of that first before they uh, release those things, I think. But it can't be too far off. No, so will that, that come, come from away, April and May? Can't wait to see that live myself, mm. personally. And so as we start to wind towards the end of uh, this episode, end of 2021, gosh, it's only uh, next week we'll be in the future. Um, uh-huh. Where are your, we talk, I talked about being in reflective mode before, yeah. talking about reflections. What are you reflecting on as you look back, especially over this year? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's like for you, it's been a massive year on my plate. You know, I, I proposed to Kate. Uh, we did Heather's. I became the president for HMT. I mentored for Boiler. Obvious lockdowns, COVID vaccine stuff. Um, it, I think I'm grateful f- that we made it mm. to the end of this round. Uh, and I'm grateful for the people in my life that support me. I'm grateful for the people that don't because they teach me a lot about myself and about my values, I think. Oh, that's good. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that we got here. Mm. And I don't know what next year's going to bring or if it's going to be worse or better, but I know that we made it here and that's okay by me. I'll share some of that sense of gratitude for, for the stuff you learned from what's been a difficult couple of years because one thing, one very positive thing I think we have learned is how to think out of the box a bit more, how to think that there may be other ways of doing things that we thought we couldn't do anymore, but suddenly, you know, a bit of lateral thinking, a bit of um, cooperation with people, and suddenly you've got a new way of doing something or, or taking a chance on something that maybe we might not have in the past. Yeah, so okay. that's is that where sort of where your reflections are taking you? I'm looking back on what has been a busy year after all said and done, even with the lockdown period, and yeah. I'm looking ahead to what I know is also going to be another busy year, but um, I'm at a stage in my life now where I really want to capitalise on all those things as much as I can so that I've got, as I become less active as a performer, um, I've got more to draw upon in terms of experience. But if I look back on this year, I think, well, I attended um, for probably about my third or could even be my fourth. I think it's about my third um, Musical Theatre New Zealand conference uh, in Napier. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to the next one in in Blenheim in March. Um, I was elected to be Vice President for Hamilton Musical Theatre, which was uh, great. I feel I can maybe still offer a bit more there. Um, Being involved in Sweeney Todd at the beginning of the year was an unexpected pleasure. Um, I directed duets for Cambridge, which was great to be directing again. Also found myself acting in that. Um, being involved in Boil Up, not as a as a mentor, but as a as a performer, doing um, rehearsed readings was was great fun too. Um, I was really excited about being a week away from opening <laughs> Assassins and then um, locking down and preparing to maybe not do Assassins at all, but then getting back into rehearsals for Assassins and finally Assassins itself was a great experience. <laughs> that sort of capped it off for me, and and amongst all of that, I made the commitment to do Twelve Hungry Men as well. Um, so for me. This last couple of months has been almost a blur, but it's been well worth doing. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, I think reflecting also takes me to thinking of those we lost this year and the people that they left behind. Yep, absolutely. A couple of notable losses from within the Waikato region uh, as far as the theatre community is concerned, but I know many more elsewhere as well. Now seems like maybe then the right time to commemorate with a song for Fallen Comrades in memory of our friends Jane Norwich and Joy Wright, but also everyone in the theatre community's lost this year. The 
a grief that can't be spoken There's a pain goes on and on Empty chairs at empty tables Now my friends are dead and gone Talked of revolution. Here it was, they lit the flame. Here they sang about tomorrow, and tomorrow never came. From the table in the corner. They could see a world reborn And they rose with voices ringing And I can hear them now The very words that they had sung Became their lost communion On the lonely barricade Dawn. Oh, my friends, my friends, forgive me That I live and you are gone There's a grief that can't be spoken There's a pain goes on and on Phantom faces at the window Phantom shadows on the floor at empty tables where my friends will meet no more all oh, my friends my friends don't ask me what your sacrifice was for empty chairs at empty tables where my friends no That was Rob Houchin uh, as Marius uh, from Les Miserables, the 2020 live recording, Empty Chairs at Empty Tables. From the bottom of our hearts, we thank Free FM for hosting us and thanks also to Creative Waikato for sponsoring us this year. But mostly, thank you. Yeah, because what's a podcast without listeners? There would be no point to doing this if there weren't people at least half interested in our very interesting theatre endings. <laughs> yeah, even if those people are just Hannah, Jono, Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you, fam, and we genuinely love hearing what you think about our yarns, our opinions, and our taste in theatre. We're looking forward to cranking back up again in February, but until then, you can catch up on our 2021 season of Backstage wherever you get your podcasts. I'll also be rebroadcasting some of our 2021 episodes over the coming few weeks, so there's that option if you can as well. Backstage is available on accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And Mel will be sharing uh, all of our new content from our on our Instagram story and on Facebook too. We are leaving you with Seasons of Love today because we cannot it not. It is the Season of Love and if you're going to measure in anything it might as well be by love. Exactly. I've been Mel, he's been Mike and you have been backstage. Stay classy theatre nerds and Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. See you.
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.